This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Hi listeners, this is Brent Sutton. Welcome to the 38th episode of the Practice of Learning Teams podcast show. On today's show, we continue the podcast with the amazing team of people from Chevron who have been embedding learning teams across the organization in many countries. We have received a huge amount of feedback on part one, and in particular how Hymena, Chelsea and Eric have been so willing to share and be open about their journey with learning teams. The community really values people sharing how to operationalize learning teams. The what and the why gives us that foundational knowledge and understanding, but the how gives us that courage to try learning teams in different situations and environments in order to ask better questions to gain better outcomes. As a listener, you are part of our community. If you want to share your journey, please reach out to us at the learningteamspodcast.com or through our LinkedIn page. It is a rewarding, and fulfilling experience to share your learnings with us on the pod for the greater community. So now, please join me with Brent Robinson as we continue to explore learning teams the Chevron way of learn, soak and improve with Hymena, Chelsea and Eric. As organisations uh, move into embedding learning teams for a longer period of time, they, they start to see um, uh, uh, issues arise at that middle management level as, as well. And um, once again, my view is that's natural because that's part of that bell curve, if that makes sense. You've, you've got those early adopters, those innovators. You've got that sort of early midstream market. You've got that that main that mainstream component. And then you've got those laggards at the end. So it's quite normal that bell curve is going to apply. So what are some of the things that you guys have thought about in, in that space? About trying to support that, that, that little ground where there's all that uncertainty that exists. I think we do it in, in the preparation part of it. We do a lot of emphasis in the success of learning teams being on that step one that we call prepare. And is sitting down with that manager, sitting down with that supervisor and recognizing that, hey, you're not in control, right? We're gonna we're gonna empower the workforce to tell us what the issue is and probably to tell us what the solution is. Are you okay with that? How would you respond to that situation? Right? Do you still want to control? Are you going to question what is being what is going to come out of it or are you going to be okay and what does that look like uh, we also talk about you know, principle number five you know how response of, of leadership uh, matters is is just that you know preparing these people to hear the bad and the ugly if it comes out right and and the support that they're going to have to give to their workers right not only allowing them to sit down and to talk about it, but empower them to figure out how to solve what they're uh, thinking the issue is. 
and and that has worked really well and i think chelsea has a an experience of her own directly of when not preparing it can can lead to a bad outcome that that first step when we when we gosh when we work to prepare the leader to so that they understand what they're asking for when they when they call for a learning team right i mean it level setting their expectations is everything you know i'd say there's a couple pillars there's a couple foundational things that have made learning teams successful in chevron and one of them is how much we train facilitators right like we are very deliberate about spending time with our facilitators creating a mentorship for them we never we co-facilitate learning teams but that mentor network is everything to keep the system evergreen to continuously improve to share with each other best practices and the other pillar that has made learning teams successful is level setting expectations with leaders and you know we all have some horror stories right like when we first started down this journey there was there was a, a learning team that i was going to a, a whole different business unit to to help facilitate and i spent time with that leader ahead of time talking to him about what you're asking for and they just weren't ready you know they thought they were ready but he said okay okay i hear what you're saying but i think it's just like a matter of we have too many steps in the procedure so when you go do that learning team could you just get out of the folks you know what what steps do you need to just erase in the procedure you know it's it's pretty simple and i'm like well we'll see if the learning team goes there well obviously the learning team did not go there the learning team went where it went right and that didn't go over well with that leader and they took they put a whole pause on learning teams and their business unit for i think 6 months and that's okay you know i you know i i had some self reflection where i'm like oh my gosh i'm going to get in trouble or i just shut down learning teams for one of our business units i did a horrible job but really they needed to do some self reflection right mm -hmm. and they needed to ask themselves are we ready for this is this a tool that we're ready to start incorporating into our culture and leaders and leaders tone and their involvement their 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 i'm going to take i'm going to step back right and just like hamana said i'm going to not control this like they have to look themselves in the mirror and be ready for that i think that telling point is um we want to get this out of the learning team as a precursor to the learning team Well, that's, that's called a fixing team, not a learning team. <laughs> yes. Exactly. That's a different mode. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. So we um, we we started seeing a lot of value too, because on the back end we started to do things a little different, and that was because when we first started in learning teams, um, when we'd come up with like solutions or opportunities to be better, right? Um, we would assign it to like people that were in the learning team, you know, and then still have the leader support, and it was fine, but. like if i was the sponsor and let's say i'm just all on board right which most of the leaders were thank god and then but then chelsea is the one that was on the learning team right and she doesn't report to me right but i have to support her in getting that done from the solution like it, it ended up being kind of tough so what we started to do was then on the front end prepare that leader to understand that when we get done um he or she is going to have to help us find somebody that's going to own that not that leader you know And and if it, that is then going to be you Brent who is actually Chelsea's supervisor right and that fits in your guys wheelhouse that opportunity um great but if it actually ends up being Hemena and I report to Hemena then I get assigned the action right and then Hemena is going to support me in that 
Um, and it worked really well because we actually worked with where the opportunity lies instead of just who was in the learning team. And then what was great too, is then the people that were in the learning team um, could walk away and really just support it as they already did. Cause they kind of came up with it, right? They came up with the solutions and the opportunities. So we already yeah. had their support and their yeah. accountability. Um, and it, it really worked well and the leaders understood it and they liked how it aligned with everything and you know, little disruption. So um, that actually worked really well for our area and our business unit, not for every, not saying it worked for everybody else, but um, it really helped us and the leaders get on board too. That's great. And, and it, look, our, our reflection has been that um, we, we create successful facilitators by describing what good looks like, by understanding where that person's at at the moment, and then providing them a roadmap or a pathway to navigate and move through those things. Make sense? So we do that quite a bit. Yet what I find interesting is that we're not doing the same for leaders or those middle management what, what we're telling them what good looks like, but we're not basically sitting down and saying, where where are you at in your journey? And and we sort of struggle to prime find that, that roadmap. So one of the things that we've been experimenting with quite a bit is is to think of of for those people in what we call that mainstream component, the people that, you know, they're not those early adopters, they're not those innovators, they, they really do what they do well. And we've got to have those people in business. They're really, they're really important. What what we talk about is we we basically try to understand what what parts of the business do they value. So what processes do they own? What's the thing that they value? And then we show them how learning teams can identify the valued and non-valued activities, and how they can use learning teams to shift something that's seen as being a non-valued to a valued activity. And once they get that, once they get a taste of that, then they go, "Great, I'm in," because it's there. It's been helping them in their journey, rather than sort of this organic type push that we keep trying. Because you know, if we push, they're going to push back because uncertainty is what they're dealing with. Does it make make sense? It's it's the that uncertain component is really what drives that behaviour and that fear. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. I think it happened very well with our non-operational side uh, situations like the, the business group, the commercial group, the sales groups, right? Um, they were, when they started seeing learning teams, uh, they were like, yeah, that, that, that that's kind of, uh, I don't understand how that could be part of my business, right? But when we started seeing that as issues arose, we were providing that uh, option of let's let's help in facilitating that discussion through a learning team and let's see what that looks like. So instead of them just having a one hour meeting to talk about the issue without understanding how to facilitate that discussion, we came in and provided that facilitated discussion. Right, we provided that framework of this is how you ask better questions to get a hold of the story, and that just took off super quick because they saw that they were gathering the data, nothing related to safety. It was all about their own issues, right? On on sales, on marketing, or whatever whatever it was. It, we were just in there to help facilitate that discussion, right? And that is what they needed. Yeah, and the tagline we use is we want to give them a sense of ownership versus control. 
because you're trying to move them from controlling it, which is what they're used to. They, they want to exert Absolutely. control. So Chelsea, that, the example you gave was all about control. How do I exert control versus how to give them a sense of ownership? Oh, 100%. I mean, I had a leader one time and, and this person was all on board too, right? But afterwards when, you know, delivered the summary and they're like, Eric, you know, like, I just, I really, I thought it was going to go, like, it's not really what I expected. Or I can't remember their exact words, but it was basically like, yeah, it's not what I expected. I'm like, well, what did you expect to get out of it? And they're like, well, um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, well, then I guess we're both on the same page. I'm like, but then I go back to what Andrea, Andrea Baker, one of the greatest things I, I, well, she has a lot of great things she says, but when she says, are we asking questions to, to, to learn or to confirm a bias that we already had? And it goes to Chelsea's point too. Like, if you're telling me to go in there and ask these specific questions, then why don't you just go ask those specific questions, and then, and then I can help you find some better questions, right? That are actually inside of you that you even realize it. Um, and and I really I didn't realize it either until I started engaging more with the learning teams and diving in more and talking to those workers, right? And then those just surface. Well, I I love that you guys have used them with sales teams because sales teams invariably. I used to run a large sales team and my daughter asked me, she goes, Dad, what's your job? I said, it's herding cats. And, um, you know, so Chelsea will understand that. And um, to, to use that talk, to use learning teams in that, in that environment is really cool because, you know, they've got a different way of that they approach their job. And uh, I love that you guys have, have pulled that off. The first one that I did with that team was on a promotion of, of, of lubricants that not came out the way that they expected. And they asked, they said, can you help us facilitate, right? So we can learn. It was a success, but it was not the success that they were uh, hoping for. And there was a lot of learning, right? And it was a lot of eye-opening of how how small things in the process that are undetectable by each individual become so significant when when it's a combined effort to get something out there right and since then we've done you know a lot of them with with, with the team oh wow that's fantastic even in projects many, too. yeah i mean how many learning teams have we facilitated eric and jimena where we go in thinking that we're gonna like talk about a certain avenue or a certain you know or we're going to uncover such and such but then when you actually start talking to the people that do the work they start elevating things that are even a bigger issue right like it's all about involving the people that do the activity in and that transcends any operations or non-operations right everybody has room to learn and improve and there's mechanisms and there's ways to dig into those things to help us get there, right? And so we we talk about learning teams and operational learning tools, just very down to basics, right? Involve the people that that are that do the activity, that do the task, that do this type of work. Tell us what your issues are. Tell us your gaps, your vulnerabilities, the opportunities, and then let's soak on it a little bit because when we come back tomorrow you're inevitably gonna like you know be reminded of, of certain things that you forgot to mention yesterday and then let's transition into what do you think can make it better and we can't solve everything right so we get a list of 20 the facilitator is the one that helps them prioritize it down to a few things and when you go we go into these these learning teams these engagements 
with preconceived notions, but inevitably the way we come out is almost always surprised, right? And it's just by being curious, by asking open-ended questions, sometimes by having a co-facilitator that has no idea what that work is, what that activity is. And sometimes they ask the best, most basic, mm -hmm. <laughs> dumb questions, if you will, right? Because you don't know. So here I am just sort of asking questions because I don't know it. I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and, I, I've never prepared for a learning team. I can't tell you how many I've done and, and it's actually better that way. And I've had plenty of people that I mentored they're like, okay, can we get together and then want to prepare and look through this this um, instruction and procedures that we're going to go through tomorrow? I was like, probably better you don't. And that really scares people, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, we, we can ask all the time, what, what, what do I need to bring to the meeting? Yeah. Like yourself. Yeah. Yeah. What, what yeah. nothing else? No, well, no. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's yourself, you know? And, and obviously, we would prefer that you're awake yeah. and breathing. I mean, all those things would, would be helpful. But no, we don't want you to bring no. uh, pens, pads, um, journals, um, books, files. No, just bring yourself. Mm -hmm. Yep. All your experience and all your knowledge, it's already in there. You yep. already know how to make it better. Ab absolutely. No, it's, it's, um, it's, it's amazing from that point of view. And, and so from what we've been talking about, um, Learning Teams has been organically growing. You continue to evolve and change as you go, which is which, which by the way, is like, that's how a learning team has to function. I think Brent, I remember when we wrote the book, because we wrote it as a learning team, we had to stop at a certain point because we kept rewriting the bloody book. Yeah, we had to stop. We had to stop. We, we would have still been writing it right now. Yeah, it would never get out. <laughs> so you've got to stop. But but where, where do you think you see learning teams say two years from now? So if you th think about looking at that future, about what you're doing now versus where you, where you think it might be, what, what does that look like? What does that scary world look like? Uh, I mean, I, I think there's more integration into to different things. Sorry, I'll be quick, man. I know you're chopping at the bit. <laughs> but I mean, like integrating into more things because I started to see it as I moved to transition to my new role, right? Out of where I was. And when I left, or when it was, so when we started, right, it was very much a separate entity. By the time we left, um, literally doing learning teams on every single taproot and literally stopping the taproot investigation to have a learning team and then take that information and put it back into the taproot uh, from the from the workers, right? To like bringing hollow lenses. Like if you guys know what hollow lenses are, right? Yeah. Lenses you can wear out in the field. Like I actually, one of the last ones I did is having the worker, one of the workers take a hollow lens, go out in the field. And then while we're doing the learning team, like see like different things they were describing. It wasn't an event, it wasn't an incident, right? We were trying to learn from normal work and it was great. Like the, the engineers and other people in the room could see what this mechanic was talking about in that area, right? So hopefully why people see those little seeds getting planted, um, they think about where they can incorporate and integrate it into what they do, right? And, and make it seamless um, as just part of their process, right? Yeah, I'm okay. visualizing and, and, and and I'm seeing people just, you know, the head operator or the lead of certain area, just taking the whiteboard and saying, okay, you know, let's just do this quick, quick learning here, uh, you know, and take, take half an hour, even 10 minutes if it's necessary. But consciously, I think the word you use deliberate at the, at the beginning of the conversation, that's a good word to describe, you know, an intentional learning. So let's sit down intentionally learn from what just happened and, and doing it through all 
all levels of the organization. Okay, absolutely. And we, I mean, I love the fact that you guys have got the thing, you know, learn, soak, improve. We, we use the language about um, learn, do, challenge. Because, you know, that. yeah, because if you want these things to be embedded in people, if, if, you, if you want people to change, then it has to become embedded into their schema. And, mm -hmm. and without that challenge component, that embedding just doesn't happen. I mean, you, you guys know what it's like trying to break a habit. I mean, we've all got habits. I mean, that's, that's tough, isn't it? That's tough going. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But what we're seeing, and hopefully what you guys are seeing, is that learning teams allows it to happen with people quite organically because they're, they're seeing it through the eyes of others. They're hearing it from people that they respect or from their peers. They're not hearing, they're not being told it, which is really interesting because that's the top down thing, but they're hearing it from people they can relate to. And, and, and that starts to um, sink in. And you know what else has been changing a lot that I don't necessarily hear from leaders anymore. Tell me, tell me what happened or tell me the facts or tell me the root causes. They're asking, tell me the story. Tell me the story. And, yeah. and that is such a different conversation, right? Because before, before trying to make a judgment or or try to control the situation, they're just truly wanting to understand, mm -hmm. right? How complex was the situation that, that, that the people were in for that outcome to be a, a good or bad outcome, right? Let me uh, just share with me the story. So we've become better storytellers. Mm -hmm. uh, we make sure that every time that there is an incident, we're telling the story before we're telling the facts. Right. When people are asking, hey, um, can you quickly describe what happened on bullet points? We're saying, nope, let's have a conversation. You know, <laughs> let's let's talk about the story. So we're changing the way that that we're that we're talking about things. Right. It's, so, it's around the story and the context. So that's really amazing because that says that the organization has come a long way on that journey to get to that point of telling me the story. You know, that's a, an amazing um point for Chevron and your, you know, the work that you guys have done. Yeah, the, oh, yeah. the, the first the first tap route that we did a learning team with, um, everything's sitting down, we do the final report out to the managers, right? And they're in the room and, and we're left with one of the higher level managers and kind of getting feedback, like, so how, what would you think? And, and he was like, you know, he's like, this is definitely isn't um, maybe the best like solutions. He's like, but I couldn't think of anything better. He's like, and to be honest, he's like, you know what's nice? He's like, this is the first investigation where somebody got injured, but at the end, like none of those solutions and opportunities pointed to the worker. None of them. Wow. Like none of them said it was human error or anything like that. It was talking about the systems and the processes and the equipment and everything that surrounded that worker when this thing happened of ways that we can make it better, right? And and it was pretty cool that he recognized that, right? And he was happy with, with what we got out of it because it was something different right than before so it was pretty cool to hear that yeah that's powerful yeah and, and look and, and we see this whole irony all the time that that even a normal investigation doesn't matter what ugly tool someone uses even a normal investigation if, if you simply shift the narrative from the person being in the center and putting the system in the center and ask the question why why didn't the system support the successful outcome it just changed the narrative regardless so, that's so some, yeah hmm? sorry Brent. that's 
That's something that Chevron has done very deliberately as well, is linked this whole initiative, this whole goal of, of, of uncovering the blue line to strengthening safeguards, right? It's not, it's, it's we, we want to create that psychological safety, this safe space for workers to tell us when they're able to, to follow the black line and when they're not able to, we, we, ju we just, we don't care. We want them to teach us about their blue line so that we can even understand if our safeguards are effective or they're, you know, they're even in the realm of being able to, to, to catch us, right? Because we are going to make mistakes and we are going to deviate from processes and procedures. And so when we learn about the blue line, we've really linked it to, it helps us strengthen our systems, right? It helps us uncover where we're brittle, where we are dependent on humans to be perfect, where we're de where the last line of defense is a human making the right decision, right? And so operational learning is very linked in Chevron to just making sure that our safeguards are, are effective, functioning, do they need to be overhauled, v linked back to, to safeguards all the time. Okay, absolutely. And look, I, I did a recent uh, podcast with um, Rob Fisher, and and we're talking about these 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 two wonderful words that are being used all the time. You know, robust, robust, and resilient around systems. We we, we like the you know the R and the S word. We we, we just you know re resilience, robustness. We, we keep coming this stuff up. And, and what he said was really poignant. He said the system can't be robust or resilient. It's either more robust or less robust, or more resilient or less resilient. Mm -hmm. But it's not robust. It's not resilient. It's, it's a scale, and, and and I think, and what we've been looking at is the fact that that robustness and the resilience can only happen because the system is being informed by people about the challenges they're facing every day, rather than the system is imposing on people how they're supposed to act and perform, and. And I don't know how you guys feel, but but you know the, these big words that are being used, a lot of people don't say, well, well, how do we make a system robust? How do we make it resilient? It's, it's all good to say that we need it, but but what does that really mean? What, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I don't think um, I, I have a lot of passion around the resilient systems and systems thinking and stuff. And anyone, Hol Nickel says it too, right? That like you're never going to be like resilient, all right, or be robust because then that that insinuates like we're there. And we can never, if we really understand that things are going to shift and it's so dynamic, like we're never really going to be there, but we can build those potentials, right, to to support that. And I think Rob and you said it perfect, right, is you can be more robust and more resilient because if you want more or if you're driving to more to build it, then you understand the concept of continuing to build and look at how using learning teams or whatever other tools and stuff there are out there to, to aid you, right, and to, to amplify that potential. Yeah, right, and, to, and if you stop learning... Yeah. If you stop learning, then you know your system will become less robust and less resilient. Yeah, you're, you'll never be there. You have new employees, you have new processes, you have technology, yeah. evolution, I mean, everything. Yeah, because investigations will always show the fact that there was this drift between the system and people. I mean, I, 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 I say to people all the time, why are you shocked about it? But the difference here is, and and the stuff that we're doing at the moment is, we talk about the triangle. We we talk about a triangle, and 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 we talk about a triangle as being, you know, work is imagined, you know, work is done, but also work on the day of the event. 
And and what we're saying is the organisation learns from those three things, but workers only learn by looking at workers done being normal work and then work on the day of the event. They don't learn from workers imagined. Yep. It's not their that thing. absolutely true. So, so they want to learn about those two other bits. And, and so we say to people in a learning team, don't bring to the room workers imagined. Put no. 90% well, of your time into, into workers, work, you know, normal work, and then, and then at the very end, <laughs> if they haven't got there already, then tease them into. And that's a lot of the questions that people ask. You know, like what, what does the procedure say when the conversation is in there, you know, and people are mm -hmm. saying what they do? There's somebody usually that says, well, what does the procedure say? What should we be doing? And, mm -hmm. and the answer is, uh, does it really matter? Because if this is what we're actually doing. <laughs> yeah. We're analyzing the safeguards around this situation, right? Mm -hmm. And then later, we're going to go back to that black line or that procedure and figure out how far are we from that, you know, reality versus work as imagined. Because we're, we're having discussions of the safeguards on what's actually happening. And we want, we want them to be working at that space as well as when we intended or when we imagined uh, work happening. I, and I think you guys really uh, sort of bring that out in your safeguard learning document that, hey, it's moving all the time. And every, there's an opportunity to learn everywhere. There's no hiding from it. It's actually the primary part of that, you know, that uh, document that I'm looking at in front of me. It's... Yeah, when yeah. we can uncover these blue lines, these various blue lines, there's a million of them, right? We can understand if our systems are gonna absorb those errors when yeah. they happen, not if they happen, right? And so, yeah, we spend so much time with our facilitators, you know, making sure that they know you're, you're not trying to uncover work as imagined. We are not, this learning team is not to understand the black line. It's to understand the blue line, yeah. right? And if you start hearing words like should, yes. intervene, yeah. take a time out and coach people. Yeah. Absolutely. So, 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 uh, and we call it drift because drift uh, feels organic. It feels natural. Um, and I had a leader say to me just recently, "Look, he said, I can see the benefit of learning teams. It's going to eliminate drift." And my response was, "No, it's going to optimize drift." Yeah, it's but, very similar to a message I heard, Brett, yeah. from a leader, and and this leader is amazing, right? Fully on board. And, and they're like, yeah, no, I totally get this black line, blue line thing. Like the goal is just to get that blue line and, and just get it all the way back to the black line. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, but you had to, God bless him for the intent, right? Like, yeah. you know, and uh, yeah, so we, we got him there, right? And he understood, but it was pretty funny to hear it the first time. Yeah, and look, they're on the journey, but but I think, but we, we, we are fixated by the word eliminate. Eliminate and minimize. We we get fixated by it because it's it's risk language that we want to use. Sure. And, and and I just say to them, no, no it's about optimizing. Mm -hmm. And th through um, learning, through opportunities of learning. Yeah, or managing, right? We just we we're just trying to manage that blue line to where it's safe. It's a safe outcome regardless of yeah. what's happening. Yeah. But but drift is normal. We we, we treat it like it's some disease it's, it's actually normal 
So I just, we call it just understand this. drift. We're not calling managing, which is really, I think the word that we have chose was understand. And you, you yeah. guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's More, that's what we're just, trying to do. We, I, normal variability. Yeah. Just, we, yeah. Normal variability of work. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, I mean, you, you got, uh, I always say to people, it's like, it's like putting stick in the sand. Okay, it's always going to move. You put your toes in the water, the waves are going to keep changing. Okay, that's just that's just normal life. Um, and, and I think that that's the challenge that we have is that we believe our our, our systems are, are just going to fix all of that. <laughs> so one of the questions I just uh, wanted to ask you guys is, you know, as I said, I've done some. Uh, quite a bit of stuff with Lean and um, a shout out to Wes Hain. Uh, he's up there in Chattanooga. Um, he was, he got me excited about it because he never wanted to see green. He only wanted to see red because he saw red as an opportunity. So with your learning opportunities, are you the same, are you the same way? Do you approach it? Hey, there's something here to learn. This is really cool. We don't have to have all green boxes or green dots or green anything. This, we've got a red or a, a blue Fantastic. Let's go learn something about it. Do you, is that the same sort of approach that you guys take? Some of us. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us, you know, we are still encouraging to be on that journey, right? Uh, but yeah, I mean, everything poses an opportunity to learn and improve. And some of us have that mindset and some of us were still working to get people to to understand that even you think you you think you completed that task, you think you closed that investigation and we're good to go, but mm-mm, law of entropy, weather, new people, like Eric said, I mean, we are never done. And that doesn't let us sleep as well at night, right? But that is the reality. Yeah. And so we've really started talking about just stewardship and how do we, you know, go and, touch these things, you know, more than you close it and it's never really closed. How do you go back and, and look at it in a sustainable way? Um, we don't know, you know, the, the, the perfect answer or solution for that, but we're working through it and we're trying to put together a good stewardship model for all of these actions and outcomes from our various tools. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So guys, look, I have to say I've really enjoyed today. And I'd like to ask you a question. Can we reconnect in six months? Could we, could we reconnect on a regular basis and actually see how your journey continues to progress? Would you guys, would you be willing to to participate with us to share that ongoing journey? Absolutely, yeah. of course. Yeah, we, we, can't, we can't promise how many fans you might get. <laughs> you know our, our community just loves to hear uh these stories and, and once again you know it's not about the the good or the bad what they want to hear is they want to hear that narrative that story because they'll take they'll take at least three things from this and they'll go well i'll i'll, I'll, I'll achieve that so once again guys thank you so much for your time today really really enjoyed it and um, we look forward to connecting again Thank Thank you you so much much. for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Thank you listeners for being part of this podcast. 
We would love to hear your learnings or other topics you would like us to explore about learning teams. Go to www.podcastlearnings.com and give us your feedback. Become part of the community of practice with learning teams. Go to www.learningteamscommunity.com, support the authors of the practice of learning teams, purchase the book from amazon.com or go to www.learningteamsbook.com for an inside look and other free book resources from the authors. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.